Welcome to Fresh Press for January 28th of 2020. I'm Gabe. And I'm Andrew. This is a show where we talk about new years and old years. That's very true. Uh, This past Saturday, Andrew, was the start of the Chinese New Year or the Lunar New Year. Gabe, as Uh, as Robin Williams once said, uh, what year is it? Yes, uh, Robin Williams, yes. Uh, How does, what? How did that? In Jumanji. Wow, you know, I've never seen any of those movies. You've never seen the original Jumanji? Or the new ones. Nope, well, there's no reason it. to see the new one, but like the old Jumanji you never saw? I don't know. I like Kevin Hart. He's kind of funny. Um, no, I haven't seen Jumanji. Wait, Kevin Hart is the doorway through which you are entering the new Jumanji and not like Dwayne the Rock Johnson? Also, wait, go watch the old Jumanji and then come back All right. to this podcast. Folks, I'll be back in about, an, what, probably like an hour and a half. It's like a kid's movie, right? So 90 minutes. All right, I'll be back. Um, stay tuned. Oh, but also watch Zathura. All right, we're back. Um, I've watched Jumanji and Zathura in the last three hours, um, and I don't really have much to say about them. <laughs> Listen, folks, the Lunar New Year happened this past Saturday, the 25th, and uh, thus we exited the Year of the Pig, which is sad because that's the zodiac sign of both myself and Andrew. Yeah, you're yeah. also Year of the Pig, right? Mm-hmm. And we enter a new cycle of zodiac signs. So, unlike if you're not familiar, which is possible, I suppose, um, uh, the zodiac signs in the Chinese calendar are by uh, year, by lunar year, rather than by lunar month, the way they are in the Greek zodiac. Is that right? I don't know. Probably. So the, the cycle restarts um and we enter the year of the rat well which happens to be our theme just rat no year of no new year just rat so we'll uh we'll just jump off on that note then i suppose <laughs> okay you don't want to talk anymore about rats describe what a rat well is. No, i wasn't going to say anything about rats i was going to say um i was looking up what so the lunar new year it varies when it falls right so i was curious as to what the determination for when the lunar new year falls yeah um, so it's it's on the new moon between January 21st and February 20th. Oh, okay. So there you have it, folks. Wow. Um, and the rat is the first of the cycle. So we're like back, as Gabe said, we are back at the beginning of the cycle because the rat won the that's race. Right. That's right. Uh, that is actually the history. There's a pretty interesting... Uh, Gabe, I'm kind of doing about... your job for you here. Well, you know what? I suppose that's true. Look, the Chinese Lunar New Year is a, a time of wonderful celebration when there aren't viruses sweeping the country and the world. Um, there's lots of red, which is the color of celebration in China, um, and firecrackers, and family, and good time, um, and reunions of all sorts. And none of that is referenced in either of our songs because our songs are not about the Lunar New Year. Our songs are about rats, just rats. Yeah, just rats. But they're, I think they're good rat songs, right? Andrew, yes, you bring a good yes. rat song. <laughs> yes, I brought a great rat song. Is this is this your opening the door for me to talk about rat my rat song? I was trying to segue, but okay, it was it's a little early, too subtle. People have always commented on the fact that I can be too subtle. I really just exude <laughs> subtlety. 
Anyway, uh, the song that I have brought is entitled The Rat Catcher by Antibalas. Gabe, do you know Antibalas? No, uh, I don't know Antibalas, and I feel slightly ashamed for not having known them. Because, first of all, great song. Um, Second of all, they've done some pretty major pop cultural things that would have made me aware of them outside of just, like, the context of Afrobeat music, right? Yeah, so they're, like, a big, um, as you said, Afrobeat sort of orchestra group collective of excellent musicians um sort of founded in brooklyn but all the members are do all kinds of sorts of wild things um so uh, i was founded by martin perna um in 1998 uh and then it's still going they have an album coming out on february 7th so wow that's exciting still thriving yeah they are fucking incredible, all great musicians, and I think that the album this comes off of um, is one of their best. Uh, it's really great. It's the it's their self titled Antibalas. Uh, Antibalas means bulletproof, anti bullet. Yeah, in Spanish. Yes. Um. So. Uh, this song is called The Rat Catcher. It is a great fucking tune with some great horns, some great sax. Uh, Martin Perna, the founder, is is a saxophonist. Um, Specifically a Barry saxophonist. Um, yes. Which is, it is harder to pull off those solos on. It's just harder yeah. to play quickly and make noise out of a Barry saxophone than it is out of the other kinds of saxophones. <laughs> Yeah, but he's really fucking good at it, as as displayed in this song. Yeah, he's really featured on this song. Also, it would be remiss not to talk even more about the horns, because that is the tightest horn section outside of New Orleans. That's what I'm going to say. Yes. Well, absolutely. Incredible horn players, and the amount of, uh, I don't know, the amount of concentration and practice and chemistry that has to develop between, I think, good horn players to be so together and in tune on those big hits yeah. It takes a lot more technical skill than maybe it would even seem at first blush. Um, that's an extremely difficult thing to pull off. And even very good horn sections will have trouble being like that tight and that together. <laughs> Um, another cool thing about Antibalas is, um, so Gabe, you know Fela Kuti? Yeah, well, I know of Fela Kuti. Um, I can't say I Yeah, I assume to... you don't, you did not know him personally because he died in the 90s. Right, I think before I was born. But I, I don't actually, I haven't really listened to much of his music either. Just he's like, kind of like drifted through, if that makes yeah. sense. 
So Fela Kuti is a uh, Nigerian musician who is sort of a uh, sort of the king of the genre of Afrobeat, which is uh, a major influence of Antibalas. Obviously, they like owe a lot to him and talk about him a lot and like have played with his son and stuff. But another cool thing about Antibalas is that uh, so there was a, a musical, a Broadway musical called Fela um, about Fela Kuti. Um, and in order to give some sort of authenticity to the music, the producers hired Antibalas to like be in charge of that sort of angle of things. Did they score the whole cool. thing? They just like did the music for this. I don't. I mean, I, I don't imagine... think they scored it. I think they just were like, "Hey, make sure that this is Afrobeat." So this song, The Rat Catcher, great tune, really great. I've probably played several clips from it already, but it the connection to the rat part of it comes relatively late into the song when the vocals come in. And uh, the vocalist for this song, and I think most, if not all, uh, Antibala songs is a man named Amayo, who is a Nigerian uh, singer and kung fu master is that his title like is that how you would introduce him as sifu he is a senior master of the jiao ga kung fu school of martial arts oh wow that's actually sounds extremely legit so he is a kung fu master has a great voice and has a great sort of personality in this song as he tells the story of this man who wanted to catch a rat and he catches a bunch of other things in his trap and not a rat. And then eventually he catches himself in the, in the trap. And there's a lot of rats. There's definitely a moral to that story somewhere in there. Yeah. And that's... And what is the moral, Gabe? Oh, I mean, I don't know. I'm just saying that there probably is one. Gabe, what uh, rat song won the race for you this week? Did we mention the race thing? The rat race? You did mention the race thing. Hmm. But did I did I make it clear? Well, hold on. Uh, what I meant is uh yeah the the chinese zodiac like the the order of the animals is like the order in which they won this race uh and the rat was first so that was yeah through some trickery into the joke here yeah and the pig Uh, was last because we're lazy as fuck that's right what's up 1995 and 2007 (laughs) Also, 1983. Um, so my rat song. Keep adding and subtracting 12, and you'll find all the years. Um, 
2019. Um, my rat song is by Sid Barrett, entitled Rats, off his 1970 record, Barrett. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, who's this Sid Barrett fella? Well, I don't want to assume here. Um, Sid Barrett is, I think, quite well known. Um, he was famously a part of Pink Floyd, which is really Pink where what? he got his... Yeah, Pink Floyd, just this little band out of England. Um, so Barrett was one of the founding members of Pink Floyd, and I think he was extremely influential uh, for their use of kind of their psychedelic sound, but also their distortion and uh, a lot of the dissonance that they use. Listening to this song, you can like hear like extremely direct lines to Pink Floyd's sound, which makes total sense. However, Barrett was uh, kicked out of the band slash left the band um, in 1968. So that's before like any of the really famous Pink Floyd albums came out like well before right the wall i believe was 1979 um dark side of the moon was in the 70s as well and um animals was also post sid barrett and most relevantly pink floyd released a wonderful five song album called shine on you crazy diamonds which heard of it um the title track of that is purportedly directly about um barrett so a lot of artists who were coming up in that time and later, especially guitarists, will really cite Barrett as an influence. It's unclear what sort of, or even if there was like a specific mental break that occurred kind of in the late 60s. People have suggested that he basically went on an LSD trip and acquired schizophrenia. Or his sister claims that everybody in his family is somewhere on the autism spectrum, so maybe it was something uh, related to that and social cues. It's unclear kind of what happened but it ended up with him getting kicked out of the band and then recording two solo records the first one is called the madcap laughs and the second one is this record barrett so this song andrew is like a jam song yeah i don't know if that makes sense right it's kind of this bass rhythm and then there's just a guitar like noodling in and out and riffing around that. And so for most of the song, you have just like the vocals over top and then um, this guitar just weaving in and out of the background, which is obviously Barrett's playing. Something that I found very interesting about the song is the lyrical content is filled with lots of made-up words um, that feel very Lewis Carroll-esque, right? Like almost like you're reading like a passage out of the Jabberwock. Even when they are real words, it's it's very much more about the sound and interplays like real words with made up words, which makes everything feel a little surreal. Like you're not sure if the real words are made up words or if the made up words are just words you're not already familiar with. So he goes from bam, spastic, tactile engine, heaving, crackle, slinky, dormy, roofy, wham, which is like mostly real words. And then broken, jarty, cardy, smoocho, mucho, packy, puffed, splush at moxie. 
which is mostly not real words. I, I'm pretty sure those are not real words. Broken is a word. That's true. Broken is a world. Uh, like some of the again, this is a good point that you made. It becomes unclear when you're listening to the song what is a real word and what is not, and what what you should know is a word or what you think is a word but is actually not a word. And wait, moxie is a word. <laughs> Illustrating this very thing, I've only just now realized that moxie is in fact a word. Exactly, and a puffdel could absolutely be some kind of British pastry that I'm not familiar with. Isn't that that? Um, this is going to be a bad joke. The um, the the pet you could buy in Club Penguin. Yep, this is going to be a bad joke. I knew it. Okay, um, but then kind of the whole song and the percussion all comes together in this last uh, verse where he talks about rats. It becomes very rhythmic and and all really pulls together. Which is a very satisfying way to end a song like this. That's kind of like meandering and drifting and full of made-up things. And then all of a sudden it's like, all these real words and the drums are in time and the guitar is together. And Yeah, we were talking about, I don't remember if this was last episode, the lost episode, which again, I apologize for, or another episode about music that you can't really tell where exactly it's, what time period it's from. And listening to this song was like, this song's from the 70s, or it's from someone now who's like, ah, yes, remember the 70s? No, this is very clearly at a specific moment in time, and it feels dated to that time. This doesn't make it bad in any way, right? But it's 50 years old. Yeah, no, it doesn't feel stale. It just feels like, yeah, I know when this is from. It feels like anchored in a very... Now, maybe anchored is not the right word for this song. <laughs> anchored, but also very adrift. Um, yeah. It definitely feels like somebody exploring the edges of, yeah, 70s psychedelia and late 60s psychedelia. <laughs> Let's do some new music. Let's do some new music, Andrew. Yeah, I've heard of new music. In fact, I've heard a lot of new music this week. This week was fucking great. I've seen a lot of people have the sentiment, and I agree wholeheartedly. 2020 is coming in on fire for music. So there was so much stuff that I was listening to, so I just decided to just pick something because... I, you can't. I could not go wrong, and it does, does not in any way detract from this song that I've chosen. It's just that, like everything's so good. Um, so the song that I picked is called "Overstimulated" by OK Kaya. Anything could happen at any given time. Okay, Kaya is a Norwegian. Yeah, artist? I think she's Norwegian American. I think she was born or at least raised in New York, but Norwegian in heritage. She does sing a little bit in Norwegian and talks about Scandinavia a bit. 
But anyway, okay, Kaya, she's more than okay. I would say she's really fucking good. I think my favorite explanation of what this album sounds like um, comes from Document Journal. Uh, That's not a real place. Well, it's called Document. It's the do- it's doc. It's a journal. Yeah, it's it's a rough name. It sounds like JSTOR. Sounds fake. Yeah. It sounds less <laughs> catchy than JSTOR. Ooh. Uh, but their headline is, OK, Kaya writes pop songs for your saddest, most honest sex tape. <laughs> that is so unbelievably accurate. It's hilarious. She's a single from this album um, called Asexual Wellbeing. Um, which apparently she wrote after totally bombing at singing sexual healing at karaoke. <laughs> um, because she just funny. didn't, she was like, oh, this will be great. And then she sang, I was like, I do not, this does not make sense to me. So the like chorus of asexual well-being is sex with me is mediocre, but I can give you asexual well-being. I can probably <laughs> feel what you're feeling. <laughs> I think she's also selling uh underwear that says sex with me is mediocre on it i mean she's really leaning into the okay kaya moniker i think are you aware are you aware are you This whole album is like hilarious for a lot of it and also just like really fucking good musically. Um, and I picked this song Overstimulated, which is not particularly hilarious, um, but is just such a fucking jam. I kept, I mean, I had a huge playlist this week that I was listening, that I was trying to decide between. Um, and every time this song came on, I just like, had to stop everything and just like jam the fuck out to it it's uh it starts like pretty minimally right just with that guitar yeah that guitar that's like out of tune it's so good yeah oh my god i uh, this is like my first note i was like oh oh, i love the timbre of this guitar it's so weird and so good but then um like it launches into it i guess the chorus i'm always hesitant to use that phrasing with some of this music um but um, and like everything kind of comes in and you're just like grooving, you know, so good. I was listening to this album last night as I was doing the dishes because I had a thousand fucking dishes to do. I just like, like I said, I mean, I was jamming out to it the whole time, like the whole album and really enjoying it. And then like, I had to just put the dishes down and just enjoy this song when it came on. When the song is so good, you stop doing the dishes. Yeah, I mean, that's not a, a great endorsement, but, like, I did... It was, like, 12.30, and I had a bunch of dirty pots and pans because I made a lot of food. That kind of fits with the Sex With Me is Mediocre. Yeah, I made a lot of food alone because everyone canceled on me, so it really... Oh, it was sad. really vibing. I made a whole bunch of dumplings and froze all of them. Oh, do you have any left over? I didn't eat any of them. I have 42 in my freezer. Send some to San Francisco, San Jose, whatever. California. I see, I see the orange curtain, the light shining. On. 
what new song did you settle on today? Yeah, so uh, this is If I Squint from Sarah Mary Chadwick's new record called Please Daddy. But I'll pay the penance And I'll write the letters And keep track of members And have on remembrance And I'll mediate So, I, I, yeah, like, her dad died, right? And so she made this, like grieving depressing record she's a very sad little note at the end of her bandcamp page this is this is for my dad with belated love so oof yeah that's a real high note so the whole record is incredible um it's uh really piano centric and devastating and the entire thing is really kind of depressing but beautiful she uses a lot of uh trumpet and flute uh, arrangements and instrumentations to go along with songs and uh that's particularly uh relevant or uh, sorry particularly evident on if i squint um which probably is the i'd say like the most upbeat sounding tune on the album you know you said that but it's so not though yeah um i at least one review although i can't cite the source was mentioning how her music is pretty sad to listen to and then you listen to the lyrics and it's more sad and this song is like oh look at listen to the pretty horns and the pretty flute and then she's talking about how about family i find the lyrics that she sings to be really compelling the choral section of the song she talks about kind of the idea of her family being like a club organ or an organization that needs like members and dues and like uh, a fee to stay in it um and then it ends with like if i squint i can see it far away the family that we like to say we are yeah and if i squint i can see it far away the family that we like to say we are so uh, a couple interesting things about Sarah Mary Chadwick. Um, so she started out as the band leader of a band called Bat Rider in New Zealand in Wellington in the early 2000s, and then eventually moved to Melbourne in Australia, where she was commissioned by the city to perform, uh, to create and perform a, uh, an album um, played on this 147-year-old organ that they have. So that record was her 2019 album called The Queen Who Stole the Sky. She is also a multi-talented artist. Um, she does her own album artwork, which is all prints. And this particular one from Daddy Please, or, or sorry, oh, from Please Daddy. Um, yeah, sorry, a print, not a prince. Like it's all just artists. photos of prints. <laughs> um, so it's like a self-portrait erotic piece of art um, where... Chadwick is wearing nothing except for a cross around her neck. Um, and she sings like kind of about religion, kind of the weight that that holds. And I'd rather fall than see you fall. Cause in a way, I'm your mother, though you are my 
Yeah, so um, Andrew and I wanted to talk about um, some of the great music we listened to this week. Um, we're just going to list some albums. Um, so on top of Watch This Liquid Pour Itself, which is OK Kai's record, and Please Daddy from Sarah Mary Chadwick, what else What else did you uh, find, Andrew? Uh, Bonnie Light Horseman by Bonnie Light Horseman. Really fucking good. Great folk music. Uh, there are concerts sold out in Philly, and I'm very disappointed. <laughs> um, Wolf Parade uh, is continuing their comeback tour. Uh, I really like their new record from this week called Thin Mind. Jeff Parker is a uh, jazz guitarist, oh, yes. really sweet for Max Brown. It's fucking great. Yeah, he's uh, the guitarist or one of the guitarists for Tortoise, if you want to listen to more of his music. Katie Gately put out a single called Waltz, which is about the death of her mother and set to Leonard Cohen, or like as a kind of an interpretation of Leonard Cohen's um, Waltz. Um, there's an album by Yorkston Thorn Khan, which is like Yorkston slash Thorn slash Khan, which I was really enjoying, um, called Nine Romances. Scottish folk singer, best known on this podcast as the dude who wrote Guy Fawkes Signature from episode one, which I found out this morning as I was trying to decide which song to pick. Um, and some dude named Thorn, who is a upright bassist and a dude named Khan who um is a great vocalist and musician as well a lot of great like sort of folk fusion from different culture stuff there um other great songs Waxahachie put out a new good yeah. song mm. um I haven't listened to it yet but um there's a soundtrack that came out for The Turning which apparently has music from Mitski and Courtney Love and Soccer Mommy which yeah, I have no interest in seeing this movie at all, but I just kind of want to see it for the soundtrack because Mitski's song is really good. Um, Andrew, did you listen to the Ethan Gresko record? Yes, that was what I was going to say next. The Ethan Gresko record was great. The soundtrack to Sex Education came out and also season two of Sex Education came out in the past week. Great. I watched all of that yesterday while making dumplings. Uh, you're the second person to recommend that to me in the last week. Um, maybe I should go check it out. So Andy Schaff came out with a new record called The Neon Skyline, um, which is a concept record um, that he's putting out. Um, yeah, as, his, as is his want. Right. <laughs> yes, not unusual. Um, I, I was considered bringing a song just off this album originally. Me too. Because um, it was the most important, I think, album that came out this week, or most interesting to me. But Andrew made the very good point when we were talking about this, is that these songs don't re- can't really exist in isolation, um, especially the later songs of the album, which are spectacularly moving. But the lyrics really draw on uh, people and concepts that have been set up earlier in the album. Yeah. So this album, Gabe, have you listened to a lot of Andy Schaff before? No, I actually haven't. Um, I-, I know him, and I think I've listened to the Party or something like that, but um, yeah, not really. So my friend Juliet had showed me the Party, which is his previous album. Um, which is also a concept album, a little bit looser, I think, than this, sort of about a party, and each song is about a different person, although the people interact between the songs and things like that. Um, And he's released other songs that have a sort of shared mythos between... other albums with shared mythos between songs. I just want to mention his album, The Bear of Bad News, ends with two songs, Jerry Was a Clerk and My Dear Helen, which are the same story from two very different sides and is uh really just incredible but the neon skyline is very much a a, like a clear story about a guy who's he goes to a bar and the entire time he's thinking about his 
his ex and th- then he hears that she's back in town and then she he reminisces about her a lot and then she shows up and then they talk and things happen and then nothing happens and then everything's bad yeah uh, that was a pretty good summary of it i like that i can agree with you when you say they talk and some things happen and but really nothing happens i guess stereo gum have this album as their album of the week um, and one of the recommendations is to listen to the album with the lyric sheet so um, if you go to his band camp for instance all of the lyrics are there and it's not necessary. He sings very clearly, so you don't have to. But the way that the lyrics are written, like on his Bandcamp, it's just like paragraphs. It's not lines. It's just like a continuous scene. And then the way he sings it, everything fits together so like perfectly into place. It's really remarkable um, to like look at the lyrics and also listen to him sing them. If you just read if it was like a, a set of poems of like prose poems, it would make so much sense and it would be so like, so it's so lyrical lines. Like I love the end of living room. Uh, yeah. Which again, you have to listen to the whole song to really get the, the punch of it. But at the end, the last line is Claire walked away and Charlie looked at me with wide eyes. Like we had accidentally walked into some stranger's living room, which doesn't sound like it's lines from a song, but is so beautiful the way he sings it in the song and is so effective with or without the music. Also, Andy Schaff is from Saskatchewan, is that right? Yeah, somewhere so. in like central Canada, uh, and he has this really quite heavy Canadian accent um, that makes the whole song sounds like it's set in like a small city in in like Canada in the winter. In the same voice, she laughs at me. Says, "What was that supposed to be?" I say, "I'm sorry, I'm from a different part of the country." She says, "Come on, baby, try again." Gabe, what song were you gonna pick off this album if you were gonna pick something from here? I was gonna bring "13 Hours," mm. um, yeah. which is about uh, it's it's the narrator reminiscing. Uh, about him and his girlfriend Judy, and her getting hit by a car. Yeah, um, it's so much more than that, but that's yeah, it's awesome. One broken hand, two bruised ribs, and one hospital gown. If you want such a cheap bastard. that i love about this album is that the emotion behind all of the songs arcs in such a way that it really feels like you're spending the night with the characters at the bars and like it has these peaks and troughs like you would expect and the moon is sort of that like uh it starts with are you gonna mope all night which is something that his friend charlie says to him it's really this like valley in the tone that then just gets sort of confusing it's uh, i don't know as someone who has 
had a long night out that has a lot of peaks and valleys, uh, this is a very familiar feeling to me. Claire's asking Charlie if we're hitting the town. He says we're making our way to the moon and we're taking off soon. One other thing I want to say about this album and Andy Schaff's writing in general is that he's really, really, really good at writing from a particular character's perspective and being entirely true to that perspective, like revealing to you, the listener, all the information you need to understand the situation while not breaking out of the perspective of the character, Um, which just means he's just a very good writer, which is not uncommon for like writers, but is maybe uncommon for a lot of songwriters. And that has this very deft, like you understand this character and this character's intense, intense flaws. Um, but without the character really being like, ah, sometimes I'm this and this and this and this, like I'm pretty much an asshole in these ways, but you fully understand the way that things get repeated. Like he keeps mentioning like, he, he has such this jealous streak of like every time Judy is talking to someone else or he like is overanalyzing every, every way she reacts to him um, and reacts to other people. Like the way that she, how she like laughs and if she laughs too soon or too much, um, which is a huge flaw on his part that he doesn't acknowledge, but because of the way that it comes up and comes up, um, you really understand that and you can, understand the whole like arc of their relationship and and his life through this microcosm of this one night we've talked before about how wonderful it is when a songwriter writes lyrics that deserve to be just like set as poems well how about the even more rare case where a songwriter writes lyrics that deserve to be set just as a short story it's it was just such a powerful album to me. Yeah. That's that's one of the reasons why like one I didn't want to fight with you over which one of us got to pick a song <laughs> from the album. And two, I just felt like we had to Yeah, we had to talk about the whole thing. Yeah, we can't be like, "Ah, oh, here's my new song, here's your new song." It's like we need to talk about this album as a whole product because it's just absolutely incredible. I called up Charlie about a quarter past nine and said, what's going on tonight? He said, no plans, but I wouldn't mind holding a lighter head tonight. I said, come to the skyline, I'll be washing my sins away. Oh, he just laughed. Gabe, I understand that for the first time in your life, you uh, got some culture this weekend. Yep, that's right. I decided to go culture myself. Uh, so on Saturday night, I saw the Cincinnati Symphony Orchestra, which is a wonderful orchestra, one of the great orchestras in the United States. They're celebrating their 125th anniversary this season, which is pretty cool. Um, they still seem to be doing well. It was well attended. Um, the Cincinnati Music Hall is an incredible venue. So if there's any chance that you're in the city of Cincinnati, go check them out. Um, they put on three different pieces. Um but I wanted to talk about 
the second piece they put on, which was a cello concerto written by the South Korean composer Unsuk Chin, mm-hmm. um, who wrote this in, I think, 2006, specifically for the cellist Albar and Gerhardt, who was in town playing this very piece um, yesterday. Fuck. <laughs> so this is an incredible concerto, um, very modern. Um, um, I-, I can't even say I properly understood it, um, but it was really incredible. And one of so complex, um, lots of like chords on- played on the cello, um, incredible use of the range of the cello, um, the interplay between the orchestra and the soloist was wonderful so it's based around kind of a south korean um musical style that again don't understand very well where um it's just a soloist and a drum but rather than there just being a drum it's the entire orchestra is like supposed to be the percussion and something especially in the last movement the composer and the conductor um who was simone young last night um were able to pull out these sounds out of the orchestra that everybody was playing like some note um, kind of simultaneously. Um, But the way that the timbre and everything was built together, it sounded like a single sound being generated by the orchestra um, in response to the cello. Uh, And it was really awesome. Um, We don't talk a lot about kind of concert or classical music um, on this podcast and it's a wonderful music genre that is still alive and there's still great new music being performed and created. This is again, only um, like a decade old and it's really cool to see. So that's our show for the week. Um, you should follow us on Twitter at Fresh Press Pod. You should listen to our Spotify playlist of all the music we talked about this week, um, which will be in the show notes. Um, we will have our next episode on February the 4th, I believe, is the Tuesday. <laughs> yeah. I'm Gabe. I'm Andrew. And you've been listening to Fresh Pressed.